So, hi guys, this is Dora here from Step Zero. Uh, today, I'm really, really excited uh, to let you know and introduce you about a dear friend of mine, a colleague as well, Michael Duning, who's actually joining us on the podcast today, and I'm extremely excited to have him on board, and I don't think I have to introduce him too much. You'll know exactly why I'm so excited about this. Michael, it's extremely great that you actually have agreed to come on board with us and, and talk about your experience, about your your background, uh, your, your thoughts on mental health in the workplace. We're really, really happy to hear um, your thoughts and, and feedback on this and very, very excited to get this conversation started. Before we get into it, Michael, would you mind introducing yourself um, a little bit to our audience um, so that they also know what exactly is what you're going to uh, bring to us and, and, and talk about? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me on this podcast and on being part of or the initial phases of the launch of Step Zero. I'm very excited about this initiative that you and Mateo are taking on. So to be a part of it is awesome. Um, yes, I've got years of experience. Uh, I've got the gray hairs to back it up. Um, so I have a few things that we can talk about later in the show and in the podcast. As a brief introduction of myself, uh, my name is Michael Dooning. Um, I'm currently living in Berlin, Germany. I'm an American expat. Um, a, from a professional background, quick overview, I'll, I'll make it quick. I am a bit long-winded. Um, I consider myself to be a business development leader, an entrepreneur, a tech executive, with over a decade of combined professional experience with various SaaS technology companies, and more recently, specifically within the mobile advertising uh, technology scene. Um, I was a senior vice president of a ad tech company here in Berlin. Actually, in addition to that role, I was also the general manager uh, of, that, of the company. Prior to joining uh, the company here in Berlin, I co-founded another advertising uh, technology company that was located in San Francisco. So I've been all over the place. I've been in Chicago, San Francisco, Berlin. I've been I played various roles between sales, business development, client services, marketing, ad operations, uh, from an individual contributor to a uh, coach and a leader. I've had a lot of different roles, a lot of different experience. And um, what I think we're going to be focusing on today is talking about you know, how, you know, from a mental health perspective, how does that play in with my own experience? How does that play with a leadership role? So we got a lot to talk about. So I'll turn it over to you. Um, if you have any other questions, I, I also want to point out that I've had a, a, the pleasure, the unique pleasure of uh, working with uh, Dora and two different companies and, um, and both here in Berlin and in San Francisco. So we go way back. I want to be very clear here. She was my boss at some point. So if I'm, I'm a little nervous, it's because, you know, it feels like a one-on-one -on -one that I had. And uh, anyways, but yes, thank you again for having me on the podcast. You guys, that's exactly why he's here. He's, he's the funniest, most entertaining, and most skilled individual that I have ever met. And I'm really happy that you mentioned that. I'm really um, grateful for the time that we actually had together. And that's also one of the reasons why I think that your experience is so relevant to us and, and our, uh, our audience. What you talk about uh, being uh, an employee, a founder, having coaching roles, mentoring roles, um, having uh, to be in a team, having to be an individual contributor, these are all aspects that we have seen in our, in our uh, research as well, that all of them in a different way have a different influence on an individual's mental well-being and as well, uh, with that even on their, on their productivity. So it's a very, very exciting topic for me and, and, and I hope we're going to be able to contain ourselves because we both speak a lot. <laughs> you said 30 minutes. I will challenge you to keep it already 30 minutes. Let's go. <laughs> challenge accepted. I'm really excited uh, for this. And before we get started, I think what would be very interesting if 
curious if if you could potentially share um, your experience with 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 mental health at work, uh, professional related mental health struggles, either through your your own personal experience or the people that you have worked with. I would love to hear what you have uh, seen in in your career so far in this specific matter. Yeah, I think it's uh, important from like a backstory perspective. I will start uh, when I was working professionally in Chicago, and I feel. Um, incredibly fortunate and lucky that at that time, it was a kind of a, a very important chapter in my professional career because it was at the stage where things were starting to aggressively go up. And what I mean by that is that I was uh, progressing within my, my job. I was getting additional roles and different responsibilities. With those roles and responsibility comes added stress and pressure and expectations and you know, at the same time, I was, you know, in my mid-20s in Chicago, it's a very fun uh, city with a lot going on. And I mean, by the fortunate part is that I came across a, my group of core friends in Chicago. And one of the individuals, uh, her name is Caitlin, I'll give a shout out to Caitlin here, um, was very keen and she was the one driving this initiative of like being very upfront about mental health and actually seeing a therapist. She was very clear, she, said she called it Mind Spa. And she said, listen, every one of us are, are in, a, in a different point in our careers in different industry, different verticals, doing whatever. All of our group of friends just at that particular time in that chapter, we're all like, each one of us were going places and, and we're all like taking on additional responsibilities. And she was very um, adamant about, you should see a therapist, right? You should, you should embrace uh, mental health awareness and mental and good balanced work life relationship. And it's something that initially prior to that, as, as somebody coming from a, you know, that very male driven um, uh, background, I'm a, I'm a male, but you're, you're in sports. It's very much like a suck it up mentality, right? You got to do it. It's very competitive. You don't want to talk about the, the, the mental side of it because that's a sign of weakness, right? So there's a, there's a stigma around mental health and seeing a therapist. I mean, talk about that. Th seeing a therapist, if you would have told me that at 22, I would have said, no, I'm not crazy. I got no problems. I, I, I mean, what do I have to complain about? But actually, at that time, and when we called it and referred to it as Mind Spa, uh, I did see a, ther a professional therapist in Chicago, and it, it completely changed how I approached things, both on a professional level and on a personal level. Um, and, and by doing that, I was able to navigate a lot of very stressful situations where I normally didn't have. And one of like, the key things that I, would, I taught was, I used to get really stressed about a lot of things that were outside of my control, right? I don't think everyone gets stressed about things outside their control. Um, and at the time, she was like very clear, like write down and be very clear about the things that are in your control and what you're responsible for and ignore the things that are outside of control. And once I was able to really make that separation, I was able to separate that. I was very hyper aware of my own mental health in the workplace because I knew having a balanced life equal to success. Now, was I perfect? No. And we'll talk about burnout here in a little bit. But it was something that was very important for me to understand because without that, as my own guiding light, I also couldn't pay attention once I started getting into more of these leadership roles and I started with small teams, small operation, paying attention to the, what that meant for other employees, right? I mean, I think there's something that you and I were quickly able to bond on is that we both had responsibilities for people but we we're very highly aware and attuned to our own kind of like mental health. And that's why you and I start chatting more on a, on a personal level too. And um, so, yes, I think that would help me set the tone for where I wanted to go in my own mindset of, of my own professional way, but also how I was able to carry myself as a leader.
That's honestly touched on so many points. I've been taking notes like a crazy person, like back in the days, um, just, just, you know, took a couple of things, expectations, um, mind spots, signs of weaknesses, um, uh, changing the approach, um, setting the tone, stigma. There's, there's so many things that you mentioned that we actually hear popping up, but no one really knows what to do with it. And having that experience yourself in your professional career really helps and, and, and puts you in a position that you can support others, others better. And that shows in our research as well. And, and that's going to lead me a little bit to my next question as well. What we have seen uh, with different reports within the World Health Organization, lots of organizations out there in the UK and Australia mainly, is that people that have personal experience with their own mental well-being, they're better at usually taking care of the employees and, 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 and their teams uh, from a mental health perspective. What's, what's your take on that? What, what is it that makes a good leader when it comes to mental health and also in general terms? For me, the two are the same thing, but I need to make a separation because I still feel that there is a separation or shouldn't be. But for me, the question, if you just ask me in an ideal world, what makes a good leader from your perspective? Oh gosh, I think it's a, it's a loaded question. What makes a good leader? What is that? I mean, I think I can unpack it in a way that I'll say this. I think when it comes to, as a leader, your responsibilities, right? So, and I think it's twofold. I think one, as a leader, and, 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 it's, and it varies in different levels. I, you know, we talked prior to this, we had a bit of a prep session. And one of the things we talked about is that when we say leadership and we talk about different roles and expectations, whenever you're in a position of managing somebody from a direct level, it can start at a team lead up to VP to SVP to CEO, whatever you want to go to, you have a, you're in a leadership role, right? It's sometimes it's just a scale of number of people and the direct reports you potentially have, right? And so I, I want to make that distinction because I think everybody's responsible for that. If any position, you're responsible. So what does that mean by a good leader when it comes to mental health? Um, twofold. One, you got to pay attention to yourself because as an effective leader, you got to be on your A game, right? And that's something where if you're not, then, you, then everything else kind of falls out from underneath it. The second thing is I think is very important is to pay attention, listen, ask questions, um, like be very highly attuned of every single person's different, be, be, be mindful of their working habits, what, what, like what, what motivates them, what demotivates them, what are making sure that the workload's not too intense. And I'm not saying that I was perfect, for sure. I'm not here to claim that I'm some magical, amazing leader, and that's not it. But I was very, uh, tried to be very aware of um, situations and work environments and cultures that could lead to burnout, to negative work environment, to, uh, to unproductivity. Um, so it's something that I think is you have two responsibilities. One, take care of yourself. The second thing is making sure that you are mindful of the environment. One of the things about the environment is workload and work capacity. It's very easy sometimes to delegate tasks, right? As a manager, an effective manager, you have to do that. But paying attention to somebody, and somebody, and also everybody, like I mentioned, is different. You will quickly pick up on people who are very eager to take on everything. They'll, never, they'll put a wall up in front of you, and you'll never see them freaking out. But behind the scenes, they might be. But they take on everything. Yes, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And the next thing you know it, they've got so much on their hand, and you do this for a period of time, you might, you're, then usually somebody like that is a really good employee, they burn out. And then they start looking for another job and next thing you get hit with a, a surprise resignation and you're like, what, where did this come from? And, and, and they, they tell you, oh, it's because I had too much on my plate. So something is like really checking in and making sure, look and do a peer comparison. 
if, if somebody, and they're the same level, and somebody's taking a lot more work and responsibility in projects, and the other person is not, not saying this person's socking up, they might just be managing it better, and this person's overwhelmed. So I think stuff like that is very important to recognize. Um, so yeah. No, honestly, if I can, if I want to summarize what you said, and, and I couldn't agree more with, with what you were describing right now, leadership is personal. It is yep. something that starts and ends with the person. Yourself as well, who you are as a leader, being very self-reflective, knowing exactly um, what you're going through. And you know that as well. You and I talked about that back in the days a lot, that are we doing good? Are we doing our best or the best we can as individuals and professionals to be there for our teams as well? And at the same time, paying attention and have that level of empathy that, um, that allows you to kind of pick up on, on, on uh, different energies or signs from, from individuals that you're working with. But also at the same time, building trust with your teams, because at the end of the day, it ha there has to be a conversation. People have to feel well and healthy enough uh, and stable enough to share things that they're going through with you. We've had that before. People reach out, people open up about their mental health, and then there comes the stigma. There's, are you able to perform? Are you able to, to do everything else that everyone else does? And to be honest with you, both you and I have gone through burnout phases. We, we had our, our challenging periods, but I would bet on it that very, very rarely um, our, our outside environment could have been able to say, hey, you guys are going through some tough times. So exactly what you say, people yeah. don't always pick up on that. And that's why it's so important to, to have that conversation so that you get more information to know where you have to be there as, as a person. Um, you touch a lot on burnout as well. What is your perception? Real quick, real quick, and I want to interrupt and maybe we can get a pause that, but I really want to <laughs> circle back on, on a, I want to circle back on a point you make about communication. I think communication is, is one of the key attributes of uh, leadership and good leadership. Yeah. And part of that communication line, because it's very easy to say, well, come talk to me. It's very easy to say, raise your hand, you got too much work. But reality is very different. What you, you mentioned, no one wants to actually raise their hand and say, I can't do this, or I'm, I don't have the capacity to do it. It's a very, uh, every workplace is different, but it's very competitive. You don't want to show a sign of weakness. So when I say communication, I also, part of it is, as a manager, and what I, what I think is something I, tr I try to put a lot of value on myself, and I hope people and, and some people that have worked with me in the past see me this way, is approachable. Because communication is not, um, is not success if you are not an approachable manager. If you cannot be seen as somebody that can be trusted or who can have an open dialogue and conversation, it all starts with there. So I think being open and approachable is something that's really important as a manager, and, and like I said, at any level, because without that, no communication can actually be established. And it can't be that level of trust of like, hey, I'm a bit under the water right now, and not feeling like, hmm, if I say this to my manager, I'm going to be, I won't be up for the promotion. I won't, I won't get a salary increase. I'll lose my job, whatever it may be. But it is something that is in, and you know, there's obviously there's lines and there's, there's boundaries and everything between that. But I think it's something communication is key and being open as a leader is, is, and being approachable as a leader is, is paramount to allowing for open communication. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's absolutely true. And staying human, you know, at the same time, yeah. the personable approach and, and, and being there for others and being also honest about your situation. It, it, it sounds obvious, but to be very honest with you, it's, it's not. We have seen people trying to be someone that they're not in, in a leadership capacity, but also in, in, in an employee capacity where you're just trying to you know, do better or be something else or that you think people expect from you. And that takes a massive toll on you if you, if you actually go on like that for, um, for years. 
that actually leads me to um, to to another question of mine, um, which which comes down to leadership, the next generation of leadership as well, but also organizations and their responsibility. Um, you touched up on um, workload and work capacity. Um, that's that's a big topic, and that's actually in the top three uh, causes of of uh, negative uh, effects or list of negative effects uh, when it comes to employees' mental health. How do you think that as a leader and also from a company perspective, we can do a better job to create a better environment that employees can manage their workload and work capacity better and more effectively? Yeah. So I think there's, you know, I've got a unique uh, perspective in that I, I did found my own company and, and uh, so I ran that for a period of time. And now am I saying that, oh man, one of my core pillars uh, when you launch a company is uh, mental health awareness and productivity of your employees. No, right? I mean, literally, it's it's you're thinking about creating a business that or creating a business that's going to make money and is going to be successful and to hopefully, yes, employ a lot of really good professionals and in that employment, offering a, a a good platform for people to be successful. But I think it does start with implementing from if you're if you're a founder or if you're top line management you know, part of your core values and your pillars of your company should be around your employees. And then you can unpack it from there, right? So employee focus shouldn't just be uh, a, a fancy little sign that you put in your bathroom stall, right? It should be something that is driven and uh, for your entire teams and they should be starting from top to bottom. Now, we work in a very progressive and, and uh, forward thinking uh, industry already, right? I mean, uh, you work in these startup companies and you work in, in, in ad tech, um, you have a lot of companies that are already doing things that are so far advanced from where things stood at 10 years ago, five years ago, not to mention a lot of other industries, right? But I think when it comes to if you're not a founder and you are maybe mid-level management or um, there's maybe you are top-level management, there's another board, another layer of approval above you. I think it starts with having conversations again. Um, you have influence bringing uh, awareness and pointing things out and say hey we should be doing this or maybe we should look into this not every company is going to have the means to hire uh, either a part-time or full-time therapist or psychiatrist to sit on there or, or have them come in or have courses or classes but there's several things that a company can do to uh, to create an environment that is a lot more friendly towards having a well-balanced life right and i think that it it's everybody's responsibility at every level of management to have that those conversations you may not uh, you may not get it approved you may um you may not make uh everything turn around in one night but it starts with having those conversations it starts also with people in positions that do have influence of bringing it up and not being afraid to bring it up right and so if you talk about it in a very open way and you're not afraid to talk about work-life balance and mental health and what does it mean for you as an individual and, and also be comfortable and confident to bring it up. It starts there and then you might actually uh, inspire somebody else to, to seek out help or to raise their hand or to, or maybe that initiative with the HR team does go through, all right, because you led that initiative. So I think it just, you have to, you have an element of responsibility to speak up and to drive change. Change management is difficult for every organization, both big and small. Uh, some upper management will, take value in it, others won't, but you at least need to try, right? As a leader, you at least need to make every effort you can to try.
Yeah, you're right. That's what it starts with. It starts with raising awareness, speaking up, right? And that's, that's what we're also here to do. We need to start talking about this more and more. And, and I also don't believe that it has to be a very fancy solution. You know, every, every company has their own way, their own infrastructure where they can operate in. But as you said, there's so many things that we can do, just small steps, just looking at the individual, having that conversation, taking five minutes to sit down, talk things through, and just see how we can connect from a human perspective to really help and, and, and support our people is already an incredible step. And, and taking action is, is where we are right now. We need to take action. There's so many things happening in, in the world right now. It's, it, it's not a secret. We've got the COVID situation going on. We've got companies struggling. We had companies before the last two years have been very heavily driven by M&As, you know, companies kind of being bought or buying other companies. There's a lot of, lot of change happening. And as you said, that affects you also as, as an individual, irrespective of what position um, uh, you're in. What was your experience? Because I think you, you've gone through both of that from a founder as well as a, a, a top management perspective. What was your experience uh, when it comes to change management, change management and the effect it has on, on people within any organization? Mm -hmm. So I think from, from like a founder's perspective and somebody that was, um, you know, taking charge and taking lead and setting the tone for the company and the culture and the vibe, I think it starts with actually listening because I think a lot of the really good ideas comes from people within your team. I mean, it was a small company, it wasn't a big company. And so I was able to check in with everybody on a more individual one-on-one -on -one basis, but listening to the mid-level management or your next level of management on, on ways that we can improve, paying attention and then taking action, right? So it's one thing to receive that feedback, but then to say, oh, okay, cool. They're complaining because they're working too many hours and then just put it aside. Find out why they're working too many hours. Is it is it a process uh, uh, or a product uh, limitation? Is it a is it a time zone uh, issue that we're dealing with? Is it is it uh, we don't have enough employees to manage the business that we have? Right? There's a lot of different factors. So I think a lot of it from the top top line is just listening, and then listening and then coming up with some ideas. Maybe even collaborating with the team and say, hey, here's a particular idea A particular idea B. Which one do you think we want to do? So something like that and then implementing it is important. Um, I think when you're in a, when you're not in the driver's seat uh, of things, which is, which is a lot of times, and that's basically my entire professional experience too. Um, I think it's also coming up with ideas with, you know, that are within reason that we can implement because budgets are tight, right? And we and you mentioned we're, we're in a global pandemic. We're operating in a way that no other business professionals have ever had to, to come across. I mean, we're everybody every industry, every business is, is now managing teams remotely uh, and trying to conduct business. We've never done this before at the scale, right? We've, we've worked in these capacities before, but not in this way. So some of it is like, you need to think outside the box and come up with creative solutions to make sure that we can check in, that there is uh, people paying attention to individual pe people, right? Because at the end of the day, yes, I think a lot of the, the noise is around uh, you know, employment and numbers and revenue and profit. And the first thing that gets put on the back burner is conversations about the feel good stuff, which is mental health and how's your employees doing? Because a lot of business owners are going to I don't care about what my employees are thinking. Right now. They're going to have to suck it up because they got a job, right? And that's fine. Certain aspects, but if you need these people to be working at a high capacity and be able to be productive and in a very weird environment, I mean, Working from home is not easy. I'm a new father. Um, working from home with a three-month-old uh, colicky baby 
is the most challenging thing I've ever experienced ever, right? <laughs> um, so, but imagine that every single employee that you depend on from the very, very entry level to the most senior level people that you are dependent on making sure they're operating at the highest capacity, they're dealing with stuff they've never had to deal before, right? So what you may have had working in the office uh, could have worked, but we're not in that stage anymore. So some companies I actually heard um, that are doing some things, they actually have remote call-in uh, therapist, like a therapist will be calling, uh, you can call in, you can talk to somebody either on a one-on-one -on -one basis or they're having a, a weekly session where somebody's uh, giving a presentation that has nothing to do with the company or the products or sales pitches, but just something that it would give you a break. I also had another company tell me that they've implemented a virtual break room, um, which I found very cool is that, you know, from the hours of like 12 to uh, 1230 or 1245, they have a virtual break room where people call in into Zoom and, and they just talk about anything. They can't talk about work. You can't talk about anything, but you just got to call in and check in with your employees. So I think, you know, once again, it goes to, it is driving, you just have to, you have to take action. And right now you need to embrace this crazy weird environment that we're in right now this is it i mean we're we're operating in something that uh, is unprecedented and and now while yes I, I agree that a lot of companies a lot of stakeholders and boards and stuff like that will probably throw uh employee engagement and employee health and like that much down to the very low end of their priorities because they're they're circling the wagons they want to make sure they can maintain business but i think right now that's a mistake because that should be the number one priority because if you if you have uh, the team that you're going to be keeping on, you know, highly focused, highly motivated, and you are paying attention to them, you're going to get the output you're going to need in a very challenging environment. Yeah, you have to go out of your way. I mean, this this is a situation, as you said, we've never experienced before. So that means think outside the box and, and, and figure out trial error. Do rather more than, than less. I think it really is the time to take action. And as you said, we see lots of companies really stepping up and it's incredible to see the investment, the effort. Um, it doesn't have to be expensive solutions. It really is the effort that people take to stay connected with each other as, as human beings and individuals and be there for each other. Because at the end of the day, you spend one third of your life at work. I mean, that's the reality of it. So I think it has never been more important to really understand not only, you know, work-life balance, because that, that just kind of implies that you're, you're separating the two. Now it's more integrated than ever. And, and a lot of companies already refer to this as work-life integration. So how do you make it more effective and more efficient so that you stay safe and, and healthy and, and your psychological well-being, and of course your, your physical well-being, don't get me wrong, for me, these, these go hand in hand together, but they have to be put out there. And, and again, it comes down to the one topic we talked about again, trust. Mm -hmm. This is something that I want to kind of ask you as well, it's simply because I'm genuinely interested in your opinion. Next to the, the positive news that we heard from, from companies of, of all the efforts that they put in to kind of stay sane and, and, and create something great for their employees and, and stable. We also heard uh, from, from some of the, the people in, in our network that they felt it actually went on the other way. Um, they, they felt that there was a lack of trust. There was way more control. They had to work way more than before because they kind of had to show that I'm online. I'm doing the job. I'm, I'm being there. And it was really stressing them out. It put them in a situation where they were uh, limited in, in, in uh, completing the work and the task and the workload that, that they were supposed to do because of this lack of trust and this, this um, increased level of, uh, of control. W what do you think about that? I mean, what would you recommend to organizations going down that road, not knowing exactly, oh, okay, how, how do I make sure that people work 
what would you actually recommend as a leader in these situations? How, how do they get out of it and how do they create something that actually makes sense for them and the employees as well? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Once again, we're, we're dealing with unprecedented times and we're trying to navigate very tricky situations. Um, I think in general, and culturally speaking, one of the uh, uh, differences that I experienced coming from the U.S. to Germany um, was in the U.S., and so, you know, maybe it's just my work environment, my culture, and, and being in the Bay Area uh, and the tech scene, it was very much on, like, you just work the hours you work. You can may roll into the office at 11 a.m., but then you're working until 8, 9 o'clock. You might, you might be an early bird to get in at 7, grind it out, and, and be out by 5, whatever. Or you do that, and you're at home, and then you work for three more hours, right? Whereas in Germany, I, I came across a very different culture, working culture, where your, your butt had to be in a chair, and the expectations were, at least, that your butt had had to be in a chair at 9 a.m. and you were there until six with a with a lunch break in there, right? Um, where clearly that doesn't exist anymore in this work from home environment, right? So I think a lot of com uh, companies are, are struggling with that because they feel like they're losing control of their employees, which goes to trust. Why? You know that seems like a very like big brother aspect. Oh, I'm losing control of my employees if they're not in their their at their desk, they're not doing work. Well, you know that's to me I think that's a very naive uh, approach regardless of where if you're at work or if you're at home yes working at home there's a lot more distractions you've got uh, an infant you've got uh, 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 jerk cats that may be around the uh, the apartment but at the end of the day what companies can do to answer your question I think there's putting one be very fluid with the situation everyone is experiencing it for the first time employees managers companies so be very fluid and and try different things out don't overdo it. That's another thing that I actually have heard and, and I saw it too. Where all of a sudden now, you, whereas if you're in the office, you maybe have throughout the week four or five meetings, right? That could be from the company-wide meetings to team meetings to one-on-one -on -one meetings. And then you have the rest of the time to do your actual work. Well, now what companies are doing because of the lack of trust, they're trying to overdo the meetings. They're, doing, they're trying to overdo the check-ins. What, what used to be a weekly one-on-one -on -one now became a daily one-on-one. -on -one. What used to be the weekly team meeting became a daily team meeting. So next thing you know, you've got Zoom calls and Zoom calls on Zoom calls, and you're not able to actually spend any time doing the work and navigating the, the, the craziness that is your work home, uh, from home uh, environment, right? So I think my advice for, for companies or managers or leaders to not overdo it, to take a step back, also recognize what challenges you're experiencing, because I, I would be safe bet if you're experiencing some unique challenges, some hardships at home, your team is probably feeling the same way. I would also pay special attention uh, to employees who are by themselves. We're talk about a very tricky time. I can sit here and joke all I want. I got two cats, a wife, and, and a crying baby. I love all of them, and they're here. I got I got company. Think about employees, and this is another thing too. And this is where you also have to be very mindful of your people on your team who are by themselves right now. That sucks, right? We're talking lack of interaction, lack of uh, human connection. You get that at work. You may not like the people you work with, at least you got that connection uh, with people at work, right? So they don't have that. So I think making sure that you have scheduled check-ins, sure, yes, but don't overdo it. Think outside the box and some things that you can do that maybe are not work-related that can get everybody together. You know, I think one of the first things that were happening were these virtual happy hours. Um, I for sure participated in a bunch of these virtual happy hours, both professionally and personally. Um, but it's something where it's a good way to kind of 
ease the, uh, the tension a little bit, uh, talk with your team, get everyone together, it has nothing to do with work. So I think it's something to make sure that there's, um, you know, different uh, avenues to, to choose from. You mentioned means. Not every company, especially right now with financial uh, uh, situations that a lot of companies are facing, they're not going to maybe invest into a, uh, an online therapist or something like that. But there's other things they can do, and they should be thinking about that. Agreed. And, and trust goes by, uh, both ways, right? That's what I think is also very, very important to, to mention because you were in, in a leadership position, a founding position. You were sitting in the driver's seat and, and you were challenged also yourself with, with um, thoughts that were negative, with, with uh, doubting yourself or, or not knowing you know, where things going. And I think it's also very, very important that we remember that our bosses, our leaders, they might be in the same situation as well. They might be alone at home. They might be uh, struggling with, with the responsibility that they have as owners of the business as well. How am I going to keep going? What kind of solutions I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to put in place to really keep this environment and, and the, the work for it, for it, not only for myself, but for the people that I'm responsible for. We always talk about what companies can do more, but I think it's so important as well because we both have been in, in, in that seat where you take responsibility as well for your people and you want to do the best job you can. You need the same support. So I, I kind of want to take that chance with our conversation as well to, to just give a shout out to, to people leaders as well out there or, or anyone listening and please as well check on your bosses too. Make sure you have a human conversation with them to ask how they are. It's we're all in this together. They might be struggling themselves. They might not be open up, but trust me, um, they will appreciate every single time when you ask them how they are and that they feel also not left alone in that situation. I think it's so, so important that we, we mentioned that. Uh, Michael, uh, we talked a lot about leadership mm -hmm. and you are responsible for training leaders yourself as well. What do you think makes a difference or what is changing? And in some of our podcast conversations, we talked with experts that said the whole scene is changing. New, new professionals or the new generation of professionals is very different. They're, they're looking for something completely different, which also means that the future of leadership is, is changing. What is your, your take on that when it comes to leaders, um, productivity and health of organizations and employees as well? How are things going to look in the, in the next couple of years? Let, uh, let me get my crystal ball out and, and take a look at it. Um, no, I think what you have is you have a, um, a younger generation of, of uh, professionals that are now taking over and taking on a lot more responsibility than ever before. I think this is natural. I mean, you have uh, an older generation that is now starting to retire. You have, uh, a, a, you have technology companies that actually allow for rapid growth and rapid advancement, right? I mean, one of the things that, and if you look at your career path compared to your parents' career path, and I'm it looks completely different, right? You would look at companies back in the day where you work for 15, 20, 25 years, you build up a pension, you potentially retire there. Maybe you make one career change or two. I don't know what the average is right now. Maybe you can fact check it and put it into the podcast below. I don't know what the average number of jobs that uh, a professional will now have before retiring, but it's got to be up there, right? And I think that's something that um, you're going to see, and, and to answer your question, I think that is what's driving this new crop of leaders is that people are actually taking chances. They're taking these bold initiatives to go after it and to say, hey, look, I can do more. I want to do more. I want to take on more. Um, I think that from a leadership perspective, I think, you know, it's, it's very, uh, what is it going to look like ahead? 
I think it's going to be much more mindful leaders. I think we are in a generation that is very hyper aware and hyper attuned to each other. There's a people aspect to businesses that I think is now more apparent than ever before. Whereas you used to be maybe a stat in a spreadsheet. Um, now I think people are starting to recognize in all different levels of companies, but are starting to recognize that there is so much more value in employees and that human connection and that human point that this new age of leaders are recognizing that, right? We're not just cutthroat business people. At least that I, I, a lot of people I've worked with, such as yourself, yes, there's always a bottom line. Yes, the bottom line is important because one of the things that is the, the, uh, the most stressful thing as a leader is it's your company or it's your business unit. You know, employment rides on you sometimes, right? And that is the that keeps you up at night, right? If you're not if you're not reaching the bottom line, then you're having a much different conversation with your team and your employees, right? So, it's a very it's you know so that's something that keeps you up. But at the same time, you need to make sure that employees are productive. Employees are, are well, so that people mindset I think is a new generation of leaders. And you and you don't mention um, you know have your you know it goes both ways. I, I totally agree with that. One thing I found is helpful for me is that everybody is going through something in their life and you have no idea what that is in the, when you're in the professional environment. When you walk into the office in the morning and you grab your cup of coffee and you're saying hi to Janet at the, at the, uh, at the you have no idea what Jan, Janet's morning was just like. You have no idea if she was just evicted from her apartment or she just broke up with a, a boyfriend. You have no idea if a cat just died. But I think sometimes you lose that element and you miss out on that. And I think that's something really important. So new generation leaders and, and myself is be very aware of and attuned to everybody is unique. You need to build those personal relationships. And you also need to be very aware of, uh, you may not know the whole story. So take that in consideration with how you conduct yourself and how you may approach a business meeting or one-on-one -on -one with them. Exactly. There's, there's no more standardization. And I think, do you remember like back in the days we had so many of these conversations, how are we going to help our team be more successful, more successful? We, we were thinking about specific individuals. They were so talented, but for some reason in that specific context, they couldn't actually perform. So we looked at so often back in the days, personalized solutions. And, and we've seen those people thrive and just, just really do stuff that we didn't even, we knew what they could do, but we didn't even think that far. And, and just because because you tweaked something and made it relevant for them and, and made them feel comfortable in the framework that they were working within. They could just, you know, thrive. And, and that goes for their, their personality or their, their person as well. They, they do better when they are being spoken to as an individual. And as you said, being kind and knowing, you know, what, what everyone is, that there is always something that, that someone's going through. It's just so important. And I, I know it's one of those quotes and memes that we see everywhere, but it is true. We've been in that situation as well. And, and we've seen how difficult things, uh, things can get. Um, I'm actually having a really hard time coming to the end of this conversation uh, because there's still so many things and so many of my notes here, yeah. uh, but we have to cut it. Maybe we'll get you back on, on a next round as well. But I have one more question to, to finish up this, um, this interview, and it's, it's a rather personal one. If you could uh, go back in time and you could start over, what would be the things that you do different, knowing what you know now, ex having experienced everything that you have experienced until now? Very good question. And this is, uh, you threw me a curveball. We didn't prep on this one. So this is off the cuff, folks. This is just, this is it. We're ripping here. Anyone, you can handle that. <laughs> yeah. So I think, listen, I think uh, one of the things that I, 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 I always hold at a very high level is mistakes happen. And if you don't make those mistakes, you don't learn from them, right? And if it's like, so very, a lot of my confidence 
in what I've done in my career is just going for it, being ambitious. And does everything work out? No. Do our mistakes made or are uh, some of the decisions I made been the correct ones or some of the ideas I've had been the correct ones? No. And I think that's why it's really hard for me to answer that question. Like, what would I change from now or from the beginning to where I am now? Because man, if I didn't do some of these things wrong <laughs> and I didn't learn from them, then I wouldn't end up where I'm at right now. Now, I will say there's several things that I've learned over there. And, and I think you mentioned a word here that I think trust is so big. I think um, one thing that you want to, everyone wants to have the ability to trust somebody. But at the same time, like there are people that you shouldn't trust and you can't trust. But I'm, I'm always kind of, I'm always, I jump to the immediate conclusion that I can trust you, right? You got to prove me wrong before I, so that I think one thing is, is to make sure that if you're making big decisions on a, from a career perspective, or maybe it's a project or a report or a presentation you have or whatever it may be, and you don't feel like you, you can trust feedback, it can maybe be your manager, it can maybe be a colleague or a peer or whatever, or it could be you, whether or not you found a company or not, whatever it may be, talk to your network of people that you trust and, and, and bounce ideas back, right? And be, be open to hear somebody tell you, say, no, you know what? that's a dumb idea. That's stupid. I wouldn't do that. Or that, you know what, Michael, I would be cautious about that. All right. Or have you thought about this? I think sometimes because I'm so eager to do it and go and try to, you know, and, and, you know, risk aside, let's go for it. I think sometimes if I could take a step back and try to evaluate things in a different way, that would be the only thing I would change from now, from the beginning to I am now. But I think it's really important. I take away is that mistakes happen learning is all part of the journey it is everything in between sometimes it is an awesome time when you're learning something new by a mistake and other times it's a complete embarrassing failure and that happens but as long as you're learning and growing that's it like um you know that's that you know that's me at the in a nutshell i like to to put myself out there i like to go for it not everything is going to work out and i and i'm not perfect but that's fine that's who i am but so yes i think moving forward is something that you just gotta it's important to take a look back and reflect on it but it's also important like yeah you just gotta you gotta go forward and i guess no one's ever going to question me why i was so excited to have you on board here because you cannot end a, a conversation on on such a serious topic on a higher note and I am extremely grateful for, for your honest and transparent feedback and, and, and very authentic. I think that's exactly the reason why we're doing this. And I hope our audience um, have had the chance to also feel it and pick up on that as well. Um, guys, it will, we will make sure that we add Michael's contact details and, and, and references uh, under the podcast as well so that you can, you can reach out to him if you have any questions. He's definitely someone that I can, I can re recommend to get in touch with. He's uh, not only a great leader, but a wonderful human being as well. So in case you feel that you connected with him and, and uh, would like to hear his opinion on any specific topic, I am more than sure that he will take the time to get back to you on this. And uh, Michael, thank you so much for being part of, of Step Zero, sharing, sharing your story, my Step yeah, Zero thank hashtag. You. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be on the podcast. I hope, hopefully some people found this helpful. I enjoyed it. As, as you know, I always love uh, talking to you. So thank you. Best of luck with everything. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can see you soon in person. Yes, absolutely. I can't wait for that. And to our Step Zero community, our lovely family, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back soon and can't wait to hear your feedback or any questions or thoughts or ideas might have uh, you might have. We really want to build this together with you. So keep us posted. Michael, have a wonderful day. Uh, and we wish you and your beautiful family a great, great day together. And I can't wait to see you too. Great.
Great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone.